Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello there, welcome to another episode of the Daily Boogie. Hope you're having a good day. I certainly am. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to everyone who shares the podcast. Thanks for downloading. Thanks to everyone for being here. Um, today is Tuesday. It's the State of the Union address later tonight, guys. So before we get into a, our couple of reads here, I thought we'd just quickly cover off the State of the Union, the upcoming State of the Union. Um, first of all, though, if you want to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you want to hurl insults or feedback or compliments, maybe hold off on the compliments. I don't do too well with compliments. I don't respond as well to compliments as I do to criticism. You know, if somebody says, oh, that was really good. You're like, yeah, thanks, man. No worries. But if someone comes on and says, you're an idiot, man. That is the worst shit I've ever listened to in my life. Then I feel like I get some kind of value out of that. I'm like, yes, I'm changing lives. I've had an impact on this person's life. Positive or negative, doesn't really matter. But if you want to get involved in that caper, follow me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. So the State of the Union, uh, it's in around five hours from now at the time of recording this. And you know what? I've noticed a lot of people coming out making predictions what's going to be said, what's not going to be said, oh, what's Trump going to do? What's ne- it's, People are predicting what Nancy Pelosi is going to do you know, because she'll be sitting behind the president. And you'll remember uh, last year or the year before, uh, the cameras zoomed right in there on Nancy's face, ready to capture the quivering lip of distasteful response from Nancy Pelosi whilst the Republicans were engaging in standing ovation after standing ovation, akin to like Christmas at a Catholic church where everybody's just standing and sitting for no apparent reason that I can figure out constantly. If you've never been to like a midnight mass at a Catholic church, you should try it. It's, it's like a workout. You know, wear, wear your gym gear. You'll feel like you're in a Jane Fonda video. Sitting down, standing up, sitting down, standing up. But that's, that's pretty common fare at these state of the union addresses but I, I just wonder Nancy must know that the camera is going to be zoomed right in there on her to see how she reacts and even the smallest you know the smallest little reaction from these politicians like they all know they all know that there's cameras there watching their every move and there's going to be panel shows of people talking about oh did you see she didn't smile then when she should have smiled Oh, did you see? Did you see the eyes glancing around the room from this particular congressman when that was mentioned? Oh, this must mean that they're all going to jail and stuff like this. And I just find it funny that, you know, big stories and obvious things, you know, if if you applied the same amount of analytical power to, you know, government documents that come out, like log straight into the government website and cast a critical eye over official documentation or statistics or research and stuff like that. If you applied the same amount of, you know, intellectual energy into these pursuits, you'd probably find you'd, you know, you'd unearth the secret to bringing down the whole system. But instead we focus on, you know, 
the way that people look at each other from side to side, whether they're smiling, whether they should have clapped or not, and just overanalyze what, you know, what many, in many cases could be just normal human reactions to things. And we blow them up and turn them into something completely different. That'll happen again. There's a state of the union prediction for you. That'll happen. Another prediction is um, you can bet your bottom dollar five will get you 10. Whatever Donald Trump says, 85 to 90% of the corporate press will find a way to find a negative. You know, we usually play this game on Donald Trump's speeches, a drinking game, uh, the ironic headline game. So something like if Donald Trump touts uh, the employment rate for uh, women, you can say Donald Trump is ripping, you know, breaking CNN. Donald Trump is ripping women away from their families, <laughs> right? So you just apply a negative spin to whatever positive Donald Trump comes out with. So they'll be doing that. They'll be engaging in that. But that's, you see, they, they aren't really bold predictions, are they? That's kind of to be expected. In regards to, you know, the State of the Union address has never been particularly fantastic. It's never been like a kind of a big event, right? There's the people who are making predictions like, oh, he's going to be dropping Moabs on all these people, dropping bombs all over the chamber. The State of the Union traditionally has never really been used for that. Now, of course, Donald Trump isn't a traditional president. Of course, right? We understand that. But I don't think that he's that untraditional, that he's not going to observe, you know, the regular decorum of such an event. So I suspect that the State of the Union address, and I could be wrong, but I suspect it's going to be fairly milk toast. And it's going to be bathed in, you know, wrapped in positive language. He'll bounce between negative and positive because you still have the issue on the border. You still have the issue with the funding for the border wall. So he's going to attempt to ratchet up the pressure, which is something that any good politician will do, and try to force his opponents into making another move to counter it. Stacey Abrams is going to be giving the response speech. I... I couldn't think of why Stacey Abrams, of all people, she's not even an elected official. You know, she's a, she's a woman who lost an election. She's a person who lost an election race. There must be hundreds of people to choose from if that's the criteria for getting a speech on the floor of, of the Congress to respond to the president's speech. I mean, Jesus, how many people have lost election races? In the past, I, I didn't know it was that easy to get a gig in Congress. That all you got to do is run and lose. It was like, come on in. Do you do you want to give? You do you want to give? Do you want to follow the president? The president's actually the leading act. <laughs> He's not the headliner anymore. Stacey is. <laughs> She's coming on after him. But then I then I think I figured it out earlier today. I thought. Oh, of course. You've got to get somebody in there who's not running for president. Every other Democrat is running for president. So you can't give favoritism over one candidate. You can't give favoritism to one candidate over another candidate if you're the Democrats because you're going to create a lot of infighting and bitching, you know, like soccer mums at the salon talking about their friend that isn't there and how much they hate them. You can't, you can't create a situation like that. So you've got to, you know, 
pass the baton to somebody who's not running, essentially. Every, everybody else is going to be going at each other's throats for over the next two years <clears throat> to win the Democratic primary. And this would be too, too good of an opportunity to waste. The SOTU response. So Stacey gets the gig. So we'll wait and see. Uh, like I said, I don't think there's going to be any kind of big announcement about you know an emergency or anything like that. <clears throat> I think Donald Trump's going to attempt to, of course, um, you know, present the, the previous 12 months in a positive way, whilst at the same time trying to ramp up pressure to apply it to his political opponents in a public space and try and drive a media narrative. Even It's going to be unsuccessful, but that's what he's going to try and do because the media is not interested. I found an interesting tweet here earlier today from Alyssa Milano in regards to the State of the Union. Uh, she says here, look out for a Google Doc. She's talking about t- Tuesday is the State of the Union. Tuesday, I will be sharing with all of you the tools you need to use your platform to create change and raise awareness. Look out for a Google Doc and join us in the state of the human and state of the woman. Both of those are hashtagged. And I I just thought, Alyssa, have we not learned anything yet? Seriously, using a state of the woman hashtag, we know how unpopular the woman's march is because it's sexist, remember? What about all of those poor transgender people that can't, they don't feel included in the March for Women, the Women's March? Did, do you, did you forget that? And now you go on this offensive hashtag storm. State of the woman. State of the woman? How, how are the transgender Democrats supposed to feel included in this? I should report her for hate speech, really. <laughs> I'm not into that kind of thing. Maxine Waters also stuck her toe in, and she's urging Americans not to watch Donald Trump's address. Let's play a little bit of Maxine here. I don't even know why he wants to come and give the State of the Union. Uh, The State of the Union under him has not been good, and he has been divisive, and I think he's putting us all in harm's way. And so he's not worthy of being listened to. I don't know why anybody want to pay attention to anything that he has to say. He lies over and over again. Like I said, 6,000 lies have been documented (laughs) since he's been there. I just can't imagine what he's going to try and say. But since he is a great liar, he'll say anything uh, because he's capable of saying anything without facts, without research. And so I'm not looking forward to his State of the Union, and I hope that people will turn the television off. There you have it, Maxine Waters, being a responsible leader, telling them to ignore everything that the president says because it's just going to be lies anyway. We saw the same thing with the the address from the Oval Office. Remember that? But on that instance, it wasn't just Maxine Waters. It was the corporate press as well. All of the corporate press were coming out and they were having this phony debate in the public space, right? Wow, should we play it? I mean, all he's going to do is lie. It's only going to be propaganda. I don't think we should even play it on the news. You would think that the president's first address from the Oval Office, like in times gone by, all of the news stations would be fighting each other to get you to watch them. They'd all be saying, no, 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 everybody must see this. It's a big event. It's the president's first address from the Oval Office. Come to CNN. 
Make sure you tune in. 7 o'clock tonight, MSNBC. Don't you dare change that dial. Take the remote, put it in the trash. Not good enough. Take the remote and burn it. And then take the ashes and put them in the trash. You need to be here. You need to see this. Come on in. Make sure you're watching. That's what normally would happen because, you know, everybody wants ratings, right? And Donald Trump rates his tits off. But this time around, they were all like, ah, well, I don't even think we'll show it this time. What's the point? He's just a propagandist. He only tells lies. We're going to spare you the trouble of having to see it. Now, Maxine Waters has waded in, as you just heard there. Uh, this, that little clip was from At Essence. I don't know what Essence is. Sounds like a perfume, could be a magazine. I'm not sure. And they said, hashtag, a classy clapback served the way only Auntie Maxine can. Straight, no chaser. Well, so they're encouraging alcohol abuse as well. But putting that to one side, you know, she's saying, I hope nobody watches it, turn the TV off. I can only suspect that the corporate press and the Democrats, they, they don't want you to see his words directly. They want you... They probably understand a lot of people get their quotes from politicians in 30-second sound grabs on the news or some some quote that somebody tweets out. And so it's, it's going to be very difficult, isn't it, for these people to focus in on one particular sentence or half a sentence that they feel that they can spin in a negative way, magnify it, blow it up, and then present that as the constructed reality and then shove it down your throat. They can't do that if you watch the whole thing. Like I said, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that professional news organisations who apparently care about ratings, allegedly, would argue for you to not watch something that they're showing on TV. It's mind-boggling to me that a supposed leader in the political realm would be telling people not to, not to listen to what the president says. Like, hang on, don't you want people to respect politics? Don't you want people to care about politics? Apparently not. Nah, don't even put the TV, turn the TV off if he comes on. It's just going to be lies and propaganda. Oh, my God, it's awful. Don't even waste your time. On the other hand, make sure you pick up the New York Times or the Washington Post tomorrow and read the op-ed where we'll take half a sentence out of a 30-minute speech, blow it up, and convince you that Donald Trump is the next leader of the KKK. That's going to happen. So there's your, there's your State of the Union predictions. Um, got an article here. Do you remember the, the Christian guy suddenly changing tack? Um, do you remember the, the Christian guy, the missionary, who tried to head over to the, the, you know, the long-lost tribe that has no contact with the outside world uh, somewhere in India, the Sentinelese, the North Sentinelese? And uh, it's apparently illegal for outsiders to go and see this tribe, but this guy was filled with you know, the milk of human kindness and he decided, no, I'm going to convert these people, even though I don't speak the language and they've never had any contact with the outside world, I'm going to convert them into believers. And he was warned, he, he was told, you know, don't do it. Don't do it, mate. 
They don't like strangers. They don't take kindly to strangers over there. Uh, you know, he paid some fishermen to get him close and they refused to take him up to the beach. That, see, that's a red flag. You're in one of the re- most remote places on earth and your escorts refuse to take you all the way to your destination. <laughs> they live there. Like, this is their backyard. And they're like, oh, fuck no, I'm not going in there. I'm not going, I'm not landing on that beach, bro. You're on your own. Wouldn't you reconsider at that point? But this article, this headline caught my attention from news.com. Of course, it's going to be in the show notes. Father blames extreme Christianity for the killing of his son by uncontacted tribe. Doesn't that just jump out, jump out at you? So a Christian missionary, against all advice, goes to a remote tribe. He is killed by the remote tribe. Oh, it's, it's Christianity's fault. <laughs> the father of the modern-day missionary, like, it, it might be the guy's fault because he might have been a little bit stupid or a little bit naive or something like that. It might be his fault. It's arguably the fault of the person who drove the arrow into his abdomen. Like he's, he's literally the person who killed him. So you might say it's his fault. Although we do tend to be in this habit now in, in modern society of not blaming people for doing things if, uh, well, it's a remote, you can't blame the remote tribesmen. You can't blame the tribesmen. Sure, they killed the guy. But it's not their fault. <laughs> he 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 showed up there trying to trying to bring peace and love and the word of God. Of course they were going to slaughter him in cold blood. <laughs> it's not their fault. I mean, it's like it's like walking up to a lion while he's feasting on a gazelle and kicking kicking him in the nuts. You're asking for it at that point. The father of the modern-day missionary who was killed by an uncontacted tribe has opened up on the doomsday cult that he said led to his son's death. The story caused a worldwide sensation. It was as though it was out of a 1930s boy's own adventure book, a bold young missionary, an ignorant uncontacted tribe, a death in a hail of arrows. But the father of John Allen Chow says it's all due to what? Ladies and gentlemen, extreme evangelical Christianity. Extreme Christianity. Not that regular run of the mill, you know, praise Jesus, hope it doesn't rain, where are my car keys, Christianity. No, this is the extremist kind of Christianity. The serious shit. The hard stuff. Dr. Chow blames his extremist belief, this extremist belief for the death of his son. The word, the word extremist is used constantly in this article in speaking about evangelical Christians <laughs> who, who show up on you know, near deserted beaches to preach, preach the word of Jesus to men who run around in loincloths and throw spears at strangers. <laughs> it's very extreme behavior. If you have anything positive to say about religion, he said, I wish not to see or hear. Okay. So if there's anything good to say, I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. Well, that's not extreme. At least at least we're being open-minded. Only, only extremists are closed-minded. John is gone because the Western ideology overpowered my Confucian influence. 
Dr. Chow is a follower of the Chinese philosopher Confucius. Yes, Confucius. Wasn't he the guy who was an elitist who believed that the peasants should remain the peasants and it like a and it's kind of like a brutal hierarchy. So the peasant's job is to forever serve the elites. Isn't that I think if you read into the subtext of a lot of what Confucius wrote about, you'll find that theme bubbling along. And it's it's funny, like a lot of Westerners pick up like, oh, I'm a Buddhist now. And it's amazing how many of them like don't have never read anything that a Buddhist has ever read <laughs> written. I think they see a little tubby fat guy, you know, made of brass and, you know, yin yangs and shit like that. And they just think, well, I'm a peaceful person. I'll be a Buddhist. If I'm a Buddhist, it's good vibes in the universe, bro. Karma and all that shit, right? But if you look into Confucius, he was an elitist. And the peasants, the lowly peasants, it's their job to serve us, the ruling class. We're too intelligent. We decide what's good for the peasants, not them. They don't decide for themselves. In an earlier Instagram post, the Chow family said that they had forgiven the tribe for their action and urged Indian authorities to release those arrested for taking his son to the island. So we arrest the guys, we arrest the fishermen. You can't arrest, see? It's not their fault. It's not their fault that they killed him. They were a lion feasting on a gazelle. He walked up behind them and kicked them in the nads. He deserved it, right? Oh, wait, you can't say that. Well, I guess, okay, he didn't deserve it, but they didn't do anything wrong by killing him. You know what? This is too complicated. It's Christianity's fault. It's God's fault. This is on you, big fella. This is on you, big guy. How could you let this happen? If only he stayed true to Confucius, then this would have never have taken place. Never, ever. By the way, uh, in China, uh, around 90 million people killed in the Cultural Revolution in China. <sighs> nah. You know, the, Stalin used to have a saying that uh, one person dying is a tragedy, millions of people dying is a statistic. John's body has not been recovered after Indian authorities ruled against such attempts. He's got to stay there forever now in the uncontacted tribe. That's how serious they take this. It was last seen being dragged away by survivors of the uncontacted Andaman Islands chain. The tribe has been decimated in recent decades by disease introduced by illegal visitors John defied government law preventing contact with the North Sentinelese because of their isolated immune systems and relatively undisturbed culture. He hired five local fishermen to take him close to the remote island before he kayaked alone to shore. After retreating to the fishing boat after being confronted by bow-wielding tribes people, John tried again. So he got shot at the first time by these, by these fellas with bows and arrows. And he thought, well, maybe, maybe they just got up on the wrong side of the bed today. Maybe, is this a bad time? Sorry, do, should I come back tomorrow? All right, I, I'm sorry. I, I can tell you're under a lot of stress. I'll come back tomorrow. You know what? I've got just the thing for that stress. Look, a Bible that you can't read. John's friend, John Ramsey, told the observer that the missionaries' motives were pure. I'm sure they were. I'm sure they were pure. I mean, he was a guy alone, a mission, like I said, trying to preach the word of God, right? 
His motivation was love for the Sentinelese people. If you believe in heaven and hell, then what he did was the most loving thing anyone could do. That could be a stretch. That could be a little bit of a stretch. Another quote from the article. Put simply, some extremist evangelicals believe they are doing their God a favour by converting one of the world's last uncontracted tribes to their religion, bringing forward the promised paradise. <laughs> Again, the use of this word extremist evangelical. This, this, this extremist, this extremist Christian. This is all Christianity's fault. This extremist evangelical armed with nothing but, you know, a pure intention and the word of God. I mean, in this awful, this awful, disgusting extremist behavior of trying to preach the word of God to strangers. How, how dare he? How dare he? The extremist tag is well earned, I think. <laughs> right? I mean, shit, we've got people in other parts of the world that cut off your head. Oh, that's, you can't call them an extremist. That's racist. <laughs> this guy, on the other hand, this, this lonely warrior of, of the cross. Oh, this is, this is an extremist cult. These people are nuts. Very dangerous stuff. Well, I mean, arguably it was, right? But at least they're not chopping people's heads off. So that's a plus. But extremist nonetheless, I suppose. So um, if you're listening to this before the State of the Union, guys, I'll be on with James tonight around midnight for Trust and Verify. If you want to follow Trust and Verify, um, please, and if you want to watch the show tonight, get involved in the chat. Uh, just head over to Twitter, look for at TAV show. And when we go live on our live stream tonight, uh, Periscope, YouTube, stream.me, you'll get an alert and you can come in and join the chat. Tell us what you thought about the State of the Union address. We'll tell you what we thought about it. Um, you know, of course, there's always going to be a lot to break down, even if it seems on the surface that not much was said. I'm, I'm definitely sure that my co-pilot, James, will dive deep and find something that everybody else misses because he tends to do that. So if you have the opportunity, stick around and watch that. Until next time, guys, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. We'll see you again tomorrow. Don't forget Thursday night, wine in a Pringles can. If you want to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And, of course, follow on Twitter at boogie bumper. Until next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.